Well, hey everybody. Welcome to Time and Attention, the podcast dedicated to helping you become a better, more intentional human being. I'm the host of the show, Chris Bailey. This is episode number 71, Trade-Offs. Ooh, I'm so excited. This is your episode, you could say. I mean, I guess so, but I think it's just as much your episode because you know just as much about this stuff as I do I don't, at I this point. I don't know point. if that's true. I don't know if that's true. You you are the econ of the relationship as we've established in the pod. Yeah, I do. I mean, on paper, I know more about economics than you, but... Well, and you almost have a PhD in it. You will in a matter of months. I will. And How exciting. you are the new income... Oh, wait, we can't say yet. Can't say. Things are coming to an end with this job say, market. When will we say when will we say how the job market went for you and what fancy new thing you're going to be doing? Can't say. Okay. Uh just yet, but yeah, exciting things are happening and hopefully in a couple of weeks we can announce what how this all played out cuz it's been a rocky 4 months. It's been tumultuous, I guess. Let's call it tumultuous. But I mean, I had to face a lot of trade-offs and it all worked out in the end. I'm happy with the trade-offs I made. So you're an economist. Yes. What, what does that even mean to, to the lay person who doesn't know anything about... Uh, what, when did we have John List on two episodes ago, right? Yeah. Oh, for somebody who doesn't know anything about economies, as he would say, <laughs> what is an, an, an economist? And as a follow-up, do you have any stock tips for me? Oh, man. So this is, I think, what people tend to think economists do, right? They Bitcoin. Just, they study money and Bitcoin and inflation <laughs> and GDP. And there are lots of brilliant economists who do that. But at its core, like economics is really just about how people make decisions when they have to make trade-offs. And it's all about trade-offs. Mm. And I mean, this hap- you see this all the time, but in reality, this also applies to your daily life. And I think this is where what we're going to talk about in this podcast episode, because Trade-offs come up in your personal life. They come up in your work life. They come up in teams that you work in. And thinking about trade-offs in the way that economists think about them is insanely useful. And I think I have personally benefited significantly because I can Mm. use these kinds of very simple economic principles or economic concepts to think about my daily life in a way that I think really helps my productivity Hmm. and happiness. What is a trade-off? Yeah, so a trade-off is really just about when you have to give something up or forgive, forego something in order to do something else. So if I'm facing, an ex- so for example, if I'm choosing whether or not I want to eat something unhealthy or like maybe I really want to eat some macarons because I have gotten really good You've at making macarons. You've been talking about making macarons all day. <laughs> They're so fun to make. <laughs> um, but if I really want to eat some macarons, that means... I may be like foregoing the opportunity to eat something really healthy. But if I'm instead skipping eating sugary foods, this will help me avoid diabetes or something in the future. So Mm. like I forego the fun treat right now, but maybe I'll be healthier long term. And this is very similar to things. But macarons are made from almond flour. And what's healthier than an almond? An almond without a pound of sugar and two pounds of butter. No. So there's that. Wow. But, and then this, these kinds of trade-ups though, they come up not just in like your decisions around health and eating. It also comes into play in like relationships. So Hmm. whether or not you stay in an unhappy relationship, just because you've spent years and years of time with somebody, if they're no longer, it's no longer like a healthy relationship, there's a trade-off there. Hmm. And same thing with like work is if you're spending time or resources on projects 
maybe they aren't, or you're choosing not to work on other projects that might have better value or might have better payoffs for your career. Mm. So these are the kinds of trade-offs you see in your daily life. But this also boils down to like how you make minute by minute decisions about how you allocate your time and in your day. And a really simple way of doing this is by thinking about the opportunity cost of anything that you do. Mm. So do you know what an opportunity cost is? Oh, okay. All right. Now I now is my test. Uh, you have been talking about opportunity cost over the 10 years of our relationship. <laughs> and I have, uh, honestly, we just talked about this. I haven't really read the notes for this episode of the podcast. Tsk, tsk. Because, yeah, um, because I wanted to be surprised. Uh, Opportunity cost is what we give up in return for doing what we do or making the decisions that we make. How would you rate? How would you rate that out of ten? I think I'd give you like a nine out of ten, maybe an eight out of ten. I'm feeling really generous when I grade lately, so probably a nine out of ten. But I mean. Really, what an opportunity! People think about opportunity costs all the time without even th- realizing that's what they're doing. Mm. And so, when people think about whether or not they want to do something, they kind of implicitly think about what they're foregoing to do that. Right? If you're choosing to work an extra hour at work, you might realize, oh, this means I'm going to have one less hour with my new baby at home, or yeah. one less hour to go to the gym. You 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 are consciously making those trade offs. But I think. Thinking about opportunity costs in a more structured way and like really intentionally thinking about all of the things you're giving up because that's what an opportunity cost is. It's really what you're giving up. It's what you're giving up. It's a good way of thinking about all the hidden costs of doing something beyond just the price tag. So if Mm. I want to go to a movie, for example, I'm going to pay $15 for that ticket, but it's also going to cost me two hours of time. Is that what a movie costs now? I think so. I feel like we always buy it with scene points. So I yeah. haven't paid for a movie in forever. But really, like the opportunity cost is not just what you could have spent that other $15 with, which could be investing it in the future. It could be buying another book instead. But it's also junior chickens. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's probably 15 junior chickens. Oh, I don't, yeah. I don't know what things at McDonald's cost Tw- either. 11 or 12. Yeah. I haven't gone to McDonald's in a while. so We could order McDonald's tonight. I'm good. But okay. Thanks. Right. Um, but so in addition to the actual like direct cost of what you are choosing to spend on that movie, you're also spending two hours of time and maybe three mm. if you have to go there and stuff. So, I mean, that time is something you could have been spending working where you are earning more income. But you could also be spending it doing something like going to the gym or something else that you that has value to you. And so your opportunity cost is whatever the most valuable thing that isn't what you're doing. Our the time, cost of the most valuable thing you could be doing. Are time and money the two main things that we give up to get something else? Yeah. I mean, it could also be more intrinsic, right? Like maybe if you are choosing not to go to work on a on a particular mm. afternoon, you're giving up the opportunity to meet new people or, and that, so those are kind of like the future opportunities that you're giving up as well. And so really thinking about the repercussions of every decision, and this can be in a positive way too, right? I mean, you, you can be faced with a decision and realize that your outside option is a lot better. And so you choose not to continue working. Like maybe that's, if that's what you're trying What's to decide What's an outside from. option for the non-econs? Yeah. It's whatever else you could be doing with your time, with your money, Whatever resource you have at your disposal, it's whatever you could be doing other than what you're choosing to do at this moment. Mm. And so... I think about values when I think about that. Oh, it's the same thing. So we we value a lot of things. We value happiness. We value engagement. We value productivity. We value accomplishment. We value presence. We value connection. 
And for every minute you spend investing in one of the values, that's time that you don't spend on something else. Oh, absolutely. I, I think this is one of the things that so many people get wrong with work and, and the place that work has in their life. Like money matters, financial freedom matters, uh, thriving in life matters, and we all need the money that comes from work. But there's a balance to be struck for investing in the, across our different values that represent who we are. That, that's where my mind is at with this, at least. And I think it, you're actually saying basically the exact same thing. That oh. There are other costs associated with doing things beyond just money. And so mm. if you are looking at a decision, like I'm going to spend $15 a day getting lattes, well, that's $15 a day you could be saving or could be spending your, all these other your things. Uh, I mean, inflation, everything is expensive now, right? Yeah. That, that's what I'm hearing. I don't know. Is that why lattes cost like $6 now? I don't know. I guess it depends on where you go. But cool. all that as, yeah. all that to say, the idea of opportunity cost is really useful in your work because it can help you think about what you're actually giving up more than just, or what you actually are facing as a trade-off beyond just the money part of things. So if you're choosing how to spend your time, you shouldn't just factor in what you're earning like monetarily. Like monetarily? Is that yeah. how you say that? Monetarily. Yeah. You're, it's not just the the money part that you need to consider. It's all the other things that you're giving up or choosing not to give up if mm. by by choosing how you spend your time. So how do we practice this on a daily basis? Yeah. So I think a good way of, of doing this is when you're taking a moment to be strategic about how you spend your time, or if you, if you have a moment to think about how you're spending your time, so maybe this is when you're defining your three rules or your rule of three, your list of three. Oh. Call back Call from back. last week. So maybe this is when you're setting up your your rule of three, what you, the three things that you want to spend your time on. These are your intentions. You can think about the opportunity costs associated with doing each of those things. And if you you come to the conclusion that there's nothing else that you would rather spend your time or maybe it's your money or maybe it's your employees, like the, your employees' time, mm. if there's nothing else that you would rather spend all that time on, then you know that that thing should be one of your three intentions, right? This is a good way to to make sure that the things you put on your intentions list are actually worth being there. Mm, by considering the other alternatives. Yes, yeah, just a good way of yeah. zooming out to make sure that you're considering everything that you should be when you're making a decision about your priorities. N- nice strategy to pair with the previous episode. Mm-hmm. The, that idea that not all tasks are created equally. It, it's such a, a wonderful representation of the underpinnings of that. The underpinning of that is opportunity cost. Yeah. For every minute we spend on one task, that's something that we don't get to spend on every other thing that we could literally be doing in that moment. Mm -hmm. And it just speaks to the power of intention when there's that asymmetry between the different things on our plate. Yeah. I mean, people make fun of economists all the time for being very robotic and firm. Yeah. But in reality, we're just making very intentional choices because we factor in our opportunity costs. That might be stretching the truth <laughs> because I have met a lot of economists and- uh, They're I, all the I, most intentional people you've ever met. They're intentional in a very logical way. I love it. Yeah. But this can also apply to your personal <laughs> life, right? I mean, this is this is what comes down, like nobody's opportunity costs are going to be the same because maybe you have a wonderful family that you can spend your time with, but maybe you are really into your work. And so everybody's- Values and priorities are going to be different, and that is all part of your own opportunity cost. Mm. It's very exciting. I like that. I like that. That could too. be a whole episode right there. It could have been. Yeah. I but mean, you could talk about opportunity. The other things are kind another, of related. Yeah. Sunk costs. So, sunk costs, I know you. Wait, you're... quiz. A okay, sunk what is cost, a sunk cost? A sunk cost, because as we've established, I have not read the 
the show notes because they're written in essay form today, it seems. It's all um, bullets. It's all bullets. I, I, I mostly kid. Um, but sunk cost is something that I know what it is, but I, I find it hard to articulate it right now. A, a sunk cost is something that you have already paid. Exactly. Ding, ding. Yeah. You can stop there and you'll get 10 out of 10. Okay. It's, something- <laughs> it's one of those answers where if you keep, the, the longer you talk, the, the uh, lower your grade becomes. Yes. There's mm-hmm. a, I think it's a bit of an art on tests to figure out when to stop writing and when to keep writing, like mm-hmm. to know that sweet spot. Um, but all that said, you nailed it. A sunk cost is really a cost that you've already paid. And out this can 10? be, out of 10, you get a, a nice 10 and a gold star. Way to go. Wow. There's no room. You can't improve from here. So, <laughs> No. But all that to say, this can be monetary. So maybe you've invested in some kind of house that you're flipping or something and you've thrown a ton of money at this house. Those are all sunk costs because yeah. they're, they're done. There's nothing you can do about that. That's, it's also true for your time. So most people think about sunk costs just in money, but I think this, not I think, this can be very easily translated into time or effort or attention as well. And so in economics, there's this idea called the sunk cost fallacy. And that really describes something that I think we're all sometimes guilty of, of holding on to something for too long or continuing on with some kind of project for much longer than we should have. Um, and we just keep trying to follow through with something only because we've already invested all this time or money or attention or effort into it. And so it kind of feels like we're losing something by by giving it up. Even mm-hmm. though if you were given the opportunity to say, okay, you've starting at a blank slate, would you start to do this project today if you knew nothing about what had happened in the past? Given your current progress on it. Yeah, exactly. So given where you are at right now, mm-hmm. would you choose to stay in a relationship or stay with a certain project or stay in a degree. And if the, a lot of the times the answer will be yes, because you've made investments into your future that have allowed your current state to be really happy. I mean, I think relationships are one of those things that people used to say that go, oh, some costs can be applied to relationships and people get a little bent yeah. out of shape about that. But it's actually, I mean, the opposite can be true. Like maybe you've spent 10 wonderful years together investing in a relationship that makes you insanely happy. And so the answer to the question, would you choose to enter into this relationship right now in the current in its current form? And the answer would be, heck hmm. yes, because I'm so happy. And we did 10 years worth of things to make our current future amazing and or look amazing. And so I think this, this is really helpful when you're thinking about not just relationships, but also your work. When maybe you've been spending 10 years on a PhD that you hate and is never going to get you a job because you're already working your dream job and it's just going to co- like take so much more time to finish that you could be spending on something more fun or more more advantageous, mm. then the sunk cost fallacy would tell you to drop that PhD and move on to other things. But what if you're close to the end of the PhD? But that would be, that would be part of the decision is that if, if right now you're a month away and there's nothing else that you mm. would want to spend that month on because the re- expected return of finishing that PhD is huge. Like maybe you're a month away like I am from finishing your PhD in economics. <laughs> Don't stop now. I, the- <laughs> I, I would highly encourage you to keep going. Oh, and exactly. Yeah. But I would never, that wouldn't be my choice. Like those, those would not be the, the options I have. The, mm. If I, even if I didn't think about the six years I've now spent doing research and all the money I've spent doing this time and all the foregone income that I have, have 
far gone to, yeah. to do this PhD, I would still choose to continue finishing the PhD in the next few months because mm. the opportunities that will bring me are huge. This is not... So yeah, I think the, the it's a, that's a good question because I think people hear sunk cost fallacy and think, oh, you should just drop things that you've been doing for a long time. That is not what the sunk cost fallacy says. It really is just saying that you need to be aware of the fact that you a lot of people intrinsically try to hold on to things for too long or spend even more money trying to fix a problem or fix continue with a project that isn't going to be the best use of your time or your resources moving forward. And the only reason you're doing that is because you've already sunk so much of your resources into it. What, one of the things that's always bothered me, though, about the sunk cost fallacy is how we we've kind of discount the past, you know? And, and it's probably worth discounting the past because it's already happened and we can't really shape it. All we can do is accommodate it. But it, it's not as if abandoning the past, which leads to the present doesn't have costs of its own, right? If In the relationship example, uh, let's say you abandon a, a relationship that you don't think will be worthwhile in the future. <laughs> then why would you stay? <laughs> because the costs of, of leaving might be great too. For sure. I'm not, I'm not speaking with anybody that, that I know. Uh, that's just a, the example that, that you've used. But abandonment costs... Uh, those should be accommodated oh, in the sunk for cost sure. And these are that's also. I mean, the sunk cost fallacy just says don't consider the cost you've already spent on something. Just consider mm. your moving forward costs and the, like costs moving forward and the benefits moving forward. You make your decisions forward looking. Do you think the sunk cost applies more to money than time? No, because mm. a lot of people do spend time on PhDs that they could have spent on projects that were more um, useful or more better use of their time. Do you I know mean, anyone in your... Uh, no, I won't ask no, that. No, but a lot of people <laughs> finish their PhDs and regret it. Like mm. that is a very, very common thought because that's six years of your time, right? Yeah. Six years of time, six years of attention. Some people finish their PhDs and are so happy. I'm one of them. I'm very lucky yeah. that I am one of those people. But lots of people finish a PhD and wish they hadn't. And that is a, an example of when... They might have been two or three years in and said, oh, well, I've already spent two years. I might as well just stick with this thing, even though I have maybe other job offers or yeah. maybe other opportunities to go traveling or whatever it is that if they had made that decision in third year, they if they had asked their, themselves the question, would I choose to stay in this degree program if I were just starting today, mm. looking at the costs moving forward and the benefits moving forward, they might say no. And yeah. I think periodically asking yourself that question is a is very helpful for making more intentional choices. And this is actually not just, I mean, this is also kind of related to the next thing we're oh. going to talk about, which is about thinking on the margins. I saved this for last because I think it's probably the most useful thing that economists do that other people should just absolutely do in every part of their life. They would just be so much happier if you thought on the margins. And I mean, if you listen to the John List podcast two episodes ago, episode number 69, nice, you will know what this means. But basically, this is kind of related to the idea of, of sunk cost, but it really refers to the idea that you should think about what extra value you get out of doing something compared to the cost of doing it. And there's... Oh, this is getting confusing no, for my little mind. No, because I have a wonderful example okay. from a... from. So this is actually something I read in the Baconomics blog, which is... What is that? Such a great little place in the internet. Baconomics is a blog by an economics professor who just also really loves to bake. Oh. And I really want to be her friend. 
Um, but it really just, it's all about how baking can give really good examples of really simple economics principles, like thinking on the margins. I have never heard of an idea that has a smaller target demographic <laughs> than writing about baking and economics. I might be the only, I might be, it might be just me. I I'm, think she I'm has one audience. hit a week and that hit is you. Nah, she's got lots of Twitter followers. Okay. All that to say, so you can think of the marginal benefits and marginal costs like bake icing a cake. So this is this okay. is not my example. This I'm is following. the Baconomics example. I'm following. And what, so, can we link to it in the show notes? Do you absolutely. Remember, uh, I can definitely give you the link. Okay. So if you're baking a cake and you get to the part where you want to start icing it, right? The benefit you get out of adding icing to a cake is this extra sweetness. Nobody wants a cake that has no icing, right? That's kind of boring. So you want a cake that has what about icing. An ice cream cake. We're talking about a cake, okay. a vanilla All or right. a chocolate I, I'll, cake. I'll stop looking for little loopholes. Yeah, nobody likes the loophole nobody likes guy. the loophole guy. So if you're baking a cake, you want icing, right? There, you yeah. want a certain amount of icing to get that extra sweetness, that extra creaminess. But if you add too much of this icing, you end up with it being overly sweet, and there's not enough cake. And so, in this example, hmm. the marginal benefit, or so as you add more icing, the marginal benefit here is extra sweetness as you add this icing. Yeah. So with every little bit of icing, you're adding the marginal benefit is increasing. So you're getting this kind of added sweetness and that's nice, but that you might really get a lot of benefit from that first little bit of icing, that first full layer. But then that next layer of icing, you're probably not getting as much benefit from the previous one because now you're getting beyond that kind of like bliss point of sweetness. And so you're getting to like Costco cake at that point. And so, but the, the marginal cost of every additional layer of icing you have is that you can't really taste the cake anymore because eventually you're going to end up with a cake that is just icing and no cake. And that's that's not what you want. Nobody wants that. Exactly. And so the marginal cost of adding more icing is the the not being able to taste the cake. And so you want to add mm. icing just up to the point where that extra sweetness is worth the the loss of the the cake in that the kind of flavor profile. So that's kind of what you can think of marginal cost and benefit in cake, which okay. is so much fun. Okay. Or at least that's what I like to tell myself. I think it's fun. So I, th- I hope you think it's fun too. I think I'm following. Yes. Okay, great. But the nice thing is you can apply this to so many things in your life, like literally every single thing in your life. So, when Like I- when you're icing your schedule. <laughs> exactly. When you're icing your schedule. No, but when you're, for in all seriousness, when you're thinking about your, the work that you're doing. So if you're scheduling your time or not even just scheduling, if you're actually in the middle of your workday, you should think about how, what value the, the tasks that you're currently doing are, is adding to your life. Like what value are you getting out of the work that you're currently doing? And this, I mean, you might say, well, I get no value out of my job because I hate my job. And like, that might be the case, but I mean, there's obviously some value if you, if you are sitting in a desk and doing it. Like if you think yeah. And somebody's paying you to do it. You're it, you're producing value of some sort. Exactly. But I think there's this is you want to be doing tasks that have added value up to the point where the cost of doing them is no longer worth it. Mm. And I think you can kind of see this trade-off when you're doing work like formatting or form yeah, formatting or editing documents. This is a a good example of where this kind of like perfect is the enemy of great where you can keep uh, doing more edits and doing more formatting edits when you're doing some kind of Word document, right? Or word processing document. You can just keep editing for the rest of time. 
But up to a point, like after a certain point, those extra edits probably aren't adding a lot of value to the report that you're trying to put out. They're going to cost you time. They're going to cost you maybe delays. Maybe you're not going to deliver on time. And so after a certain point, the extra with a marginal cost of adding more of these edits and investing more time and more attention into editing, editing this document are going to be so much higher than the added benefits that you get out of polishing the document just a little bit more. Mm. And so I think this is a good example of where you need to be very thoughtful about, okay, is this a really the best use of my time? Does it make sense for me to spend another hour fiddling with this document? Or should I go and build this new economic model that I'm working on? Or should I start um, writing the next blog article if that's what you're doing? Like really thinking about whether or not you need to keep fiddling with something that is not giving you a lot more marginal value Hmm. when you could be spending your time and attention elsewhere. So this applies mostly to the end of a project then? Not necessarily, but I think when the marginal cost of doing something becomes really high because it's costing you doing other things with your time or with your attention, Mm. that should signal it is the end of a project where it's no longer useful to keep doing whatever it is that you're doing because it's just so much more costly and you're not getting a lot of return for the the time or the, the effort that you're putting into it. So the marginal cost of working on something is equal to the value of the most valuable thing you could be working on in that moment? Yeah, we've looped back to opportunity costs. But the the big distinction here is though, the opportunity cost is just generally what you have to sacrifice to do something. The marginal cost is the cost of doing just one more thing, like one more iteration of something or the cost of one more hour spent on a project. Mm. And you should think about all of the opportunity costs with that extra hour of time. Like, it is going to include things like time and also money and other resources that you have available to you. So this is it all it's all related, right? Like you want to think about your opportunity costs when you're thinking about these marginal uses of your own time and your own energy because you only have very limited time and you only have limited attention. And so in your own personal life, a good example of this is choosing how many things you subscribe to. Right. If you are choosing to, so every additional kind of mailing list you add into your, that you subscribe to and that you receive emails for, every additional Twitter follower you add is going to add additional I'll, time. I'll add a follower. I mean, you should be thoughtful about who you follow. Oh, though, who right? I follow. Yeah. Okay. Because every person that you follow is an additional, what, maybe five minutes every time you're on Twitter. Right. You're going to, oh, that's a lot of tweets. I don't know. Who knows? But I mean, every additional person you follow is going to cost you something in time. Then maybe they're at a certain point though, if you're following 10,000 people, the added value of that 10,001th person is probably not that high. Right. And so there's these, there are these trade-offs in terms of how many people you follow at the cost of the additional attention that that's going to cost you. And so just thinking about these kinds of minute trade-offs is just very helpful. Or I find it very helpful to kind of zoom out and really think more more strategically or in a more structured way about what the actual costs of me doing everything I do or how I spend my time or how I spend my attention. Um, it makes me think about all those things a little more strategically. Love it. Hmm. Opportunity cost, what you... All right, here's a summary. In a, in a non-econ way. I uh, hope I wasn't too econ No, no, okay. you were just the right amount of econ. 
I think. That could be my my obituary title, like just the right amount of econ. Just the you're you're in the Goldilocks zone of of <laughs> economies, as John List would say, episode number sixty-nine. Nice tactics today. Uh first thinking of your opportunity costs, what you give up to do or spend what you do. Not letting sunk costs rule your life, writing off the things that you've spent in the past so they don't determine or weight your future improperly. And thinking on the margins. Mm-hmm. What we didn't is the mar- have time to talk about comparative advantage, but oh. maybe in another time we will talk about comparative advantage. Can you do a summary in one minute? I could, but I'm going to leave that for another time. What a tease. Oh, yes. Does this mean we have another econ episode coming? Not anytime soon. My mind uh, hurts in a way that I felt it growing during this episode. Well, hopefully it helps. But it maybe- helps me think about how I spend my time and my attention. I think that's the big thing. Like if I'm sitting on the couch and watching Netflix, I always think when the that next episode in three seconds comes up, I always think, hmm, I don't know if I want to invest and I don't think I'm going to get another a lot of utility or a lot of value out of another episode of Netflix. Maybe I go for a walk. Nice. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. Time anyway, and attention. Enjoy. It's the podcast. Time and attention. Oh yeah. And you can think about these things with both your time and attention and you'll get more out of your life think like an econ have a happy life sometimes always up to a point oh yeah up to the margin yeah up up to the margin (laughs) the marginal you yeah (laughs) econ jokes are hard they are but economists love to make them it's great but what's not hard is thanking you for tuning into this episode of time and attention time and attention.fm is where you can find uh, all the episodes for the podcast. We paid $100 for the domain name for a year, which is insane. So please visit it. Even if you don't want to, please, please visit timeandattention.fm. I am begging of you uh, because it doesn't get nearly enough traffic, inbound traffic, to uh, warrant that $100. Well, no one goes to the site. They just subscribe to yeah. whatever feed they get. Or they find it through the website. Mm-hmm. It's, it was really a waste of money, but how can you not own the domain name for, for I mean, thing? people don't really go to domain names anymore, do they? Oh, I guess not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On that happy note, thanks for listening. <laughs> See you in a couple Tuesdays. Bye.